Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Hello and welcome to the Psalm 1611 podcast, where we want to help ministers and small churches. For more information, please visit BethanyBBC.com or you can visit our Facebook page, Psalm 1611. This is episode two, What Does a Pastor's Life Look Like? All right, hello and welcome back to the Psalm 1611 podcast. We're here in the fabulous BBC studios, and we thank you for joining us. I'm Todd. I'm here with our preacher, Robert Altman. And today we're going to tackle a, um, a good, interesting topic that's simply, what does a pastor's life look like? Not what what do we think it looked like, what do we want it like, but what does it really look like? Uh, and we're going to open with our scripture of the episode. It's out of Second Corinthians. The preacher, go ahead and read that scripture for us. Okay, so if I was going to define what a pastor's life looks like from a biblical portion, it would be 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 8. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, and 8. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So the way we're going to tackle this issue, this topic, is by asking five uh, simple questions to our pastor, who's been our pastor for almost 11 years here now. Uh, so the first question I have for you is, what doesn't a pastor's life look like? Okay, so that that's pretty cool because the, the way I see life is this what everybody thinks it is, all right? And then it's what you want it to be, and then it's what life really is. Um, so what does a pastor's life not look like? It doesn't look like a suit and tie every morning. Um, it doesn't look like a perf- perfectly combed hair with the part right down the middle. It doesn't look like your wife kissing you on the way out the door and saying, have a good day as she hands you your bag, lunch, and your briefcase. It certainly doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like getting into uh, the brand new Porsche or Cadillac. Uh, it, it doesn't look like those things. It doesn't look like a smile all the time. Um, it, it's, it's definitely not, it's not that. It's not meetings uh, with a full staff around a nice table as you plan out the week and organize it all. Um, it's not a life where everybody is patting you on the back, holding your hand, and telling the rest of the world how great you are and how much you have accomplished. So it's definitely it's not those things, not in my life at least. So um, it's, it's, not, it's not the life where your kids all show up to church and sit in a pew together and bring their nice child's Bible and open it in their lap, and uh, it's, it's not that. So it's is probably not whatever whatever you picture a preacher's life being is probably just not that. Yeah, it's probably a lot more simple than that. Um, so yeah, I figured that might give us a good basis to start out with. Uh, maybe some things that 
it's not really like. Um, so the second thing, how does the Word of God shape your day-to-day life? Okay, so the Word of God is the foundation for my house and my life. I spend a lot of time when I'm not focused on the church, uh, focusing on how the Word of God dictates how I should live. For instance, it dictates my prayer life. Um, I really believe that prayer is something we should engage in in the morning. Um, If you wake up after your children wake up, it's hard to order your life with prayer first. So I've discovered that. So it, it orders my life, and I need to get up out of bed and be functioning prior to one of my four children coming downstairs. So it definitely guides my life in that area. It guides my life in everything everything we do. So my wife and I, our family revolves around, it's true, Sunday to Sunday. Um, we know that corporate worship together is very important. It is what Christians are driven to do. So our vacation time, uh, our hanging out time on the weekends, uh, how we eat on Sundays, uh, where we eat, when we eat, what we do, it revolves almost Sunday to Sunday. So uh, knowing that Sunday's coming uh, and knowing that that's a part of our faith and what God commands sets me up to be studying at certain times. It even sets up when I grab a snack, uh, when I get lunch, when I get off work. So it, it, it is the word of God guides us in every which way. It, it, it encourages me to set up time with my wife, with my family. So it keeps me conscious of being a good husband that's supposed to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Uh, and it, it, it really compels me to be a good father that doesn't provoke his children to anger or provoke his children to wrath, which you can do so easily by neglecting them. So uh, very detailed answer, and it probably needs a lot more attention, but the Word of God guides everything in my life. It's at the forefront of navigating not only me, but my family. Sweet. Good answer. Um, and I think it'd be cool to tackle maybe how we actually study the Word of God in a later episode. Okay. How we do it, how sure. others can do it. So that, that'll be a good lesson. Uh, the third question, how do you balance the ministry side of being a pastor, such as seeing people, serving, uh, with the studying side of being a pastor? Okay, so that is... That takes a lot of work. Uh, first off, you're always going to have a mental conflict between doing the Word and knowing what the Word says to do. So you only can do the Word when you know what it says to do. And as pastors, we are in charge, and we are called to feed the flock of God and to equip the flock of God. That is the primary. That's what the apostles wanted to be about, is the Word of God and prayer. So I think that is the primary. Um, And you have to keep that out front because people are always going to need you. But what they need more than they need you is they need you to teach them about who God is. And you cannot rightfully get up for 30 minutes or an hour, several times a week possibly, unless you are spending the bulk of your time in God's Word studying, dissecting what God has said. So you only can do what you know, and you're going to spend a lot more time learning who God is than you are going to, as a pastor, uh, be out and about serving people. Charles Spurgeon, on top of all his uh, 
oversights he was responsible for. Read and digested six books every week. He amassed a mega library because of his study. Now, of course, his day would have been simpler. No cell phones or computers or televisions or it wasn't easy to access a minister back then. In his time, evidently a bulk of it between answering letters, studying to preach, writing and reading, the bulk of what he did was getting to know God and know God's word to share with others. So how do you balance that? You keep the word of God primary. And once you are sufficiently equipped to know God and God's mind on a subject that you're sharing with your congregation, then you spend that time visiting uh, who you can. And you always prioritize that. Uh, I really go and see the shut-in, the aged, the widows, those types. I really don't make it a priority to run go see those who have a large family um, that are in the prime of their life, that their health is intact, they still have their husband, their wife, their children. Uh, those people God has blessed and given them that inner core of family and strength. There's a lot of those who are don't have that blessing. And I feel like for me, as a pastor, my, my duty is to go uh, to those who don't have that strong core family unit that they're being fed by, but go to those who because of life, have been detached or are maybe hurting because they don't have that inner strength. So kind of keep it in that that direction. Okay, awesome, sweet. Moving right along here. Uh, the fourth question, how do you mentor or lead people in your everyday life, not just on Sundays, but in everyday life? For me, and this is going to sound like, this is probably where I need to, uh, hit pause on the recording and really process it before I, what I'm fixing to say. But for me, really, less is more. So with that said, those I mentor has a purpose and a direction. Uh, if I'm mentoring somebody, I'm not trying to get with them every day. I'm trying to give them my best and make our time together purposeful. You know from experience that the time I try to mentor people are when we're working together. Uh, I know that the modern push is to sit down and have coffee together. I'm not going to sit down and drink coffee with you most likely, but I will engage with you in some work, some writing, some lesson building, um, something to accomplish together. And while we're accomplishing things together, I try my best to disciple and to put things in front of people that are good. Um, the reason I say that is most people I'm mentoring get to hear me speak or preach several times a week uh, on several different subjects. They're getting the teaching end of my life, but what they haven't seen is the work end, and I think it's important for them to see the work end. So I think one piece of advice I have for all ministers is do not overdo it. Do not be around uh, somebody so much that they see more of your flaws than they see your good. You want to be real around them, but you don't want to cause them to stumble. So mentoring people, we do it in such a way that is, it's, it's, it's not done sparingly, but it's done wisely. And it's done in such a way that we're doing something with them. And what we're doing with them is productive, and they can see the work of the ministry uh, versus just the teaching of it. Um, so I don't want to be a stumbling block, so I don't throw myself out there all the time because I'm a man just like everyone else. And I would rather than pick up my good habits than my bad habits. Okay. 
So we've got four down, and here's uh, the last question I've had for you. And honestly, I've heard you mention it already a bunch of times in the podcast. Um, how do your kids help you be a better pastor every day? Okay, so children are a heritage of the Lord. They're, they're something God gives us. We're blessed to have children. That's what the Bible teaches, that if we have uh, an arrow pouch full uh, of children, then we have, an, we have great weapons. We have uh, great tools, if you will, in the warfare. Children are awesome disciple mechanisms for their parents. I care for my children so deeply. I want them to know who Jesus is. So it keeps at the forefront of my mind, show them Jesus. They're supposed to see Jesus in you first and foremost. God-like qualities. I'm not the most patient man. Uh, impatience is maybe one of my, my worst qualities. However, because of my children and because of the gospel itself, I look at them and think, how has God behaved toward me? So they keep at the forefront of my thinking how God has behaved toward me. So it keeps my mind on who God is, but it also keeps my mind on how to behave as God would have me. So it does. It keeps you in checks and balances uh, as, a, uh, as a pastor uh, in your home on how you discipline, how you raise your voice, how you treat your wife, what kind of affection you show uh, your wife in front of them. I mean, you can give her a hug or a kiss. You can be uh, rightly intimate. Uh, you can be overly intimate. Uh, you can be unintimate. And so th there's a balance uh, in all that. So you, all that works, how you treat your wife. and So your children are such a heritage of the Lord because they shape your, uh, your character. They help shape your character. If you really love God and you really want them to love God, them being around you is always shaping your character. And for me, they're around me. Um, and if I can take a minute, if we got time, I'd like to share with the folks what my normal life looks like because I want them to know. Okay, so my wife works 40 hours a week. She is a case manager so uh, as a nurse, and so she oversees other nurses and other patients, and she is up and out the house by the time I'm sitting at my desk. Uh, she is up before me, and she is leaving out the house by the time I even sit down to begin my day. Um, so we're both working and beginning work right at 6.30 every morning before our children are out the bed. I am a stay-at-home dad slash pastor slash a lot of things. Um, so every day my house looks a wreck. So if you're out there and you're a pastor and you're like, man, my house has got to be in great shape and that's a stress, get over it. All right? Being a pastor, um, having a wife that works, she works to help the ministry. She works to help our home. She loves it. It, Believe it or not, it makes her a great mother and makes her a great spouse. Her job is not a hindrance to her as a woman, uh, a godly woman. It's not a hindrance to her as a wife or a mother. It actually is probably a help in a lot more ways than we like to give credit to. So if your wife has to work, it's cool. You know what? Uh, God has to give you that. But my wife works. I have four children during the summer that's home with me. Um, my oldest son is such a help. I try not to make him the parent, but he is a great leader. Um, he really helps out in keeping things going. Um, we've got pets. I've got a, a dog, a 150-pound dog that's still growing. I've got a chinchilla. I say I, my children, and my wife have a chinchilla. We've got three guinea pigs because when you have four kids, you got to 
you know, have enough pets. And then we got frogs and lizards that live in a cage. So we had to take care of them, all right? I've got a house, a yard. I've got bills to pay, groceries to get. We're always balancing. Like when, next Wednesday, we've got to take um, Elijah to the dentist, and she's working, and I've got the kids, and, and you know, you got church that night. Life is hectic, it's stressful, and that is how it's meant to be. It is not like a 1950s television show. It really isn't. Tara's not home cooking supper and cooking breakfast and, and smiling and dancing around in the apron. She is working uh, and she is focusing on ministry and who God is. And I have to do the same. So my life looks very interesting. And hopefully in a, in a podcast, like you were saying, we'll talk about the importance of preparing a sermon and message start to finish in the middle of all that with kids in and out of your office. Um, with lunch needing to be given to your children, um, with your Tara and I both get off work around two thirty or three. How that works out, bedtimes, all that's a part of life. It's hectic, but it's good. All right, I think that's about a wrap for this one. Um, thanks for sharing some details in your personal life, Pastor. And we hope to see you next time. Be sure to share this, get the word out there. Psalm sixteen eleven. Tell your friends. Tell your family. We want them to hear what God has in store for them. Uh, We thank you for joining us. We hope you'll join us next time right here on Psalm 1611. Thanks for listening to the Psalm 1611 podcast. Again, for more information, you can check out BethanyBBC.com or visit our Facebook page, Psalm 1611. Thank you.